congregation when considering a text for this morning's hour service, I spoke to myself. What do you need to hear? Is there something you are forgetting? Something you need to be reminded of? And there are many things I need to hear over and over because I am a forgetful person. And I have also the inclination to get, to get shallow and sometimes too stressed and worldly and feeling down or too optimistic even. So what do I need to hear is the question. Well, what I need to hear is that we have only one life and that if it does not end well, there is no Savior and there will be condemnation. So do I not know what happened in my life then? I do. Do I then doubt the Lord's faithfulness? Sometimes I do. Am I doubted? Yes, I can be one. So therefore I need to keep reading the Bible. I need to endure and to persevere. And I need to meditate on the Word. And I need the sacraments and, 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 and I need prayer. All for that perseverance. But I also need to be threatened. I need to be sincerely warned. I need a real strong message so I won't fall asleep. And our text is a kind of stern, serious message in this morning hour. I'm preaching, I hope, for myself as well, and also for you. So the text is Hebrews 10, verse 31. In the context, of course, but especially Hebrews 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So far. God's coming judgment. With the help of the Lord, three thoughts. The time, the time of judgment. When, when will that be? When are people falling into the hands of the living God? When? The time. Secondly, the reason. You, of course, know that. What the reason is for judgment, but we will just give the details from this chapter. The reason for judgment. And in the third place, to escape that judgment. Because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it's also very sweet and joyful if we don't fall into his hands. God's coming judgment, the time of judgment, the reason for that judgment, and escaping that judgment. Corrugation, then we... Someday we will come to the end of our lives. Yes, we will. We can't be here forever, can we? 
We all know that. Although we cling to this earth and may love it here, we are moving fast to the day of God's judgment. We, in the first place, think of the time that we must die. But also the time that the Lord Jesus returns and that the books will be opened and that we'll have the final judgment. So first the judgment at death and then the judgment, the final one, at the last day. Someday we have to depart. You know when you go to the, to the airport, you see departures, right? You go to the, to, to, to the gate, and then you have to leave the, the building, and you enter into the airplane, and it takes off, departure. Now, some people, when they immigrated from Holland, the elderly man, I still remember that, that they got onto the boat, and that the ship was leaving the harbor, and they saw yet a little bit of the coastline, and then it was gone. So that reminded them also of departing, of leaving this life. And that is going to happen to all of us, suddenly or slowly. You see it coming, or you don't see it coming. But it is going to happen. The time, we don't know when, but the time is there, and the, Lord, the time is in the books. The Lord knows already when, and how, and where. And yet there's such a foolishness in people, right? Remember that man who wanted to retire from the Bible? He had worked hard. He was a little older now, and he had all things ready to go. And he said, I will say to my soul, soul that has much good laid up for many years, take thine ease. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then those who shall, who, who shall those things be which thou hast provided. So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So we work hard and we prepare for our retirement and then it's over. Suddenly. That time has been appointed and as it is appointed and to man wants to die but after that the judgment, it is going to happen. I have to remind myself, you're going to die. You are going to die, and you don't know how soon. can be that you just go to the bedroom, and you'll never leave the bedroom anymore. You go outside in the car, and you don't return home anymore. And at death, it's something so precious, it'll be broken, right? Then the silver cord be loosed, or the golden ball be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel they used to get the water up, uh, up, or the wheel broken at the cistern, 
then shall the dust, the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So we don't decide when. The Lord does. And we don't do it ourselves. The Lord let us return. Thou, Lord, thou turnest man to destruction. The Lord says, return ye, O children of men. So we may, we may hate it to die, but we have to. We have to leave everything behind. So one time you still have a look at your property, and it's the last time you turn away your head and you die. And nothing goes along with you, right? Because when we, were, when we were born, we had nothing in our hands. And when you leave, you don't keep anything in your hands either. You are leaving alone with nobody with you and nothing with you. We were not made to die. You know that. But because of our sin, we need to die. Our body and soul will be separated. Separated. The body will stay here. And the soul will be ripped out of it. And it's go to heaven. Or at least go to the, to the throne of God, I mean. To our eternal destiny. Everything then will look futile here on earth. Compared to our death. Nothing matters but being prepared. Because it will be the one or the other. We will enter into eternal bliss or spend our time in condemnation. Really, it is going to happen. How can we be so calm and not being prepared? So the moment we die, we are before God. And he will look at us. And he will remember everything. He will remember everything. Everything. He remembers all the empty prayers and all those times that we have been trampling the gospel, the word of the living God. He will look at us, and if we are not prepared, he will be extremely angry with us and curse us. He will send us out in holy indignation. You know, what do you think of texts like, like this? A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. I will not know. I will not know. Of course, the Lord knows all people. Now, he will not know a wicked person. You may remember that the word to know in the Bible often means to care, to be close, right? So, he will not be close. Not even close to a wicked person. To be a separation. Or Matthew seven twenty three. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. How how, how would you feel about that? If you would die and stand before the Lord, and he would say, I never knew you. 
I, I don't recognize you. You have never been close to me. You're not one of me. I don't know you. Would you, would you cry? Would you feel the pain of it? You know, especially God's people. When God's people think about that, did the Lord say, I never knew you? Oh, that hits them hard. Because they cannot miss the Lord. They need the Lord. They love the Lord. And then the Lord saying, I don't know you. Oh, it is so extremely painful. Is it also painful to you? Would it be really painful for you if the Lord, if the Lord, Lord, Lord would say to you, I don't know you. Just go. Depart from me. You work iniquity. You live in sin. You like sin. You love sin. You don't know me. Oh, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me. Go. Ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. But he shall say, Luke 13, I tell you, I know not, you not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye that work iniquity. And the fear, when that happens, the fear will be so intense. Do you, do you remember the words spoken to Belshazzar when he saw those handwritings on the wall? Mene, mene, take you for sin. Oh, he, was, he was so pricked in his heart. Here it is, Daniel 5 or 6. Then the king's countenance was changed. He looked pale. He looked stressed. His countenance was, was changed and his, his thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his loins were loosed. He, he couldn't stand anymore. And his knees smote once against another. So there is the fear, trembling. You know, I have to remind myself. It's going to happen. If you're not in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't endure to the end, that is necessary. And you can, you can say to me, well, but if you were once, if you were saved once, you always be saved. I can't think that way. I agree with that. But did I wonder, was it ever saved? So we will find out someday that God is the living God. Joy, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the hands of God, right? Does the Lord have hands? Not really. But so to speak, to make it understandable for us, the Lord's hands will hold us and keep in his hands and do with us what he pleases. Psalm 32. For day and night the hand was heavy upon me. My moisture was turned into the drought the summer. Oh, David also experienced that on earth already. The hand of God was heavy on him. 
Daus kein osoli context vane. The chapter. Let me help you. For example, verse 26. There will be no more sacrifice for sin. No more sacrifice for sin because the time is past. That is chapter 10, verse 26. For every sin willfully after that you have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So that will be something, right? When you are dying, and you have died, rather, and there is no sacrifice for sin anymore that would help you. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ is of no avail anymore. Fearful. Or look at verse 27. But a certain, no doubts about that, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Why do I want to preach this? I want to shake myself up. I would like you to wake up. A certain, fearful, looking for of judgment, fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. And do you know who is the person? Who is the person in the Bible who spoke the most about that? The Lord Jesus. He so often spoke about the unquenchable fire and the darkness and the desolation. Or think of verse 30. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. See, are we still on the Broadway? Do we ever think about those things? Because it will come suddenly. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman or a child, and they shall not escape. No one is a mother expecting. Do you know exactly the time when she is due? Well, when, when she's due, you, you know that. Right? The doctor tells you it is that date. But you don't know. It can be two weeks before, or can be two weeks after. And it always comes on, on the day that you did not expect. And so sudden destruction comes on us if we are not prepared. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They're utterly consumed with terrors. And also in other places, we read about that. We read about the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the people in the times of Noah, they did eat, they drank, they married, they were given marriage, 
until the day that Noah entered into the, into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So what did they do wrong? They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage. That's all. They just lived their own life. And also, as it was in the days of law, they did eat. They drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. You see? So the time is coming. We have so many things in our agendas. So we, we, we can't put our death in our agenda. But you almost would have to do it on every day. With a question mark. This is the last day, question mark. Right? Sometimes you put something in your agenda you're not so sure of yet, right? At least I do that. Sometimes an appointment with a question mark. So on every day, put in there, I will die this day, question mark. Any day, just count your days. Count your, uh, uh, number your days that you may receive wisdom, and that you're not so shallow, and live as if we can live here forever. And yes, also God's people may stay where they are, because we are not always such, 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 such pilgrims on the way home, waiting for the city of foundations, whose builder and maker is gone. The time... Let's go to the second part. The sin we will, we will be judged for. Of course, all sins are worthy of condemnation. Smaller sins and bigger sins and gross sins and public sins and secret sins and sins in your own body and you, you name it. There are many different sins. But I say unto you that every idle word, every idle word, that men shall speak, they shall give a counter of in the day of judgment. Just saying something vain. Saying something not God at all. Just empty. Without the feet of the Lord. Without love. Without faith. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Again, we will be judged for all our sins. However, some sins are worse than other sins in this chapter. We know that also from Matthew 10. Verily, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. The Lord Jesus has been so often in Capernaum, has been preaching and performing, performing miracles, 
And yet they did not repent. The Lord Jesus said the Lord. There'll be something. And also in our chapter, verse 29, of how much sorer punishment, suppose he. See, it's sorer. So punishment is sore. It's painful. It's serious. But some sins are sore, more grievous, and deeper in a sense. So how much sore punishment suppose he shall he be thought worthy, who has trodden underfoot the Son of God? Did we not talk about that last, last week? Did seed falling into this on the, on the road, on the wayside. And the seed was trodden down. And then the birds picked them up, right? That's how it was worded in the gospel according to Luke. Trodden underfoot. So if people step on the gospel, or actually trod underfoot the Son of God himself, Trodden under, under, under foot, the Son of God, and has come to the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, having done despite unto the Spirit of grace. There's nothing worse than that. What do you think is the most gross sin? What is the most Punishable sin. Is that adultery? Or is that killing a baby? Or is that another addiction? Or is that being homeless? Or what is really awful? Really the most awful thing you can think about that God says disgusting. What is most disgusting to God? Did they step on his son? How much sorer punishment. Suppose he shall he be for worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God. The blood of the Lord Jesus, an unholy thing, a common thing. I have no interest in, that, in, in the blood. That really hurts deeply. And that really angers the Lord. And the Lord says, sorer punishment. See? What is worse? Serving Baal like they did in Tyre and Sidon? What is more severe than the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah? No, those sins? Unbelief is worse. What is worse than cross-dressing, substance abuse, domestic violence, infanticide, to do despite unto the spirit of grace. Also look at verse 26. For every sin willfully 
after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So if we sin willfully, is not all sin willfully? Well, yes. But sometimes people willfully, purposely sin. Not out of weakness, but willfully sin and not, not willfully have sinned, but willfully are sinning. So for if we sin willfully, after that we have received that knowledge of the truth, if we know the way, we know better, we had impressions, we had times that we were jealous, times that we were seeking the Lord, times that we were just having our face completely wet, because we were just so, so emotional. So you had those impressions. And then to let go. And to not endure what will there be. Despite and to the spirit of grace. You know, our forefathers in the Kansas Lord, in the fifth chapter, also said that. That the Lord continues and perfects the faith in the hearts of his people not only by the promises and the meditations and by the sacraments, but also by the threatenings. We need to heed those threats. Can you imagine the fiery indignation? Have they known the way? But does this chapter not refer to the sin against the Holy Ghost? Is that not what this chapter about? That people willfully sin against that, they were sanctified, and then turn themselves against it, and there is no pardoning for, 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 for the sins anymore? Is this chapter not about the sin against the Holy Spirit? That might be the case, yes. However, This is yet preached to the whole congregation, yet also preached to God's people. Because God's people, if they say, well, oh, you know, I don't need to listen to this. I will never do that. I will not fall away. I will always be faithful. I will never let it go anymore. It's so deep in my heart, so unforgettable. Don't worry about me. I will never, never do that. Who said that? Who said I would never do that? The Apostle Peter, right? So God's people don't say that, I hope. They don't, I hope they don't say this, this, this sermon is worthless because I, don't, I will never fall into this thing. I will never let go anymore. You will. If the Lord would not hold on to you. You would yet will. You, 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 you yet would do it. And therefore the Lord comes with promises and also with threats to keep it alive, to keep you on your toes. Wherefore, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth 
Take heed, lest he fall. So if you think you stand, take heed, lest you fall. And another sin in this chapter is also mentioned in verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? Don't you see the day coming? We should see the day coming. It's approaching fast. And for that reason, don't forsake to come to church. Don't leave your pew empty. That's dangerous. The Lord has said that assembling together is important. Not forsaking, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the men of some is also those days. Some were not so faithful. But, but exhorting one another, exhort one another, exhort your beloved ones, your friends and your children, maybe even your parents. Exhort them. And so much the more. It is so serious. The day is approaching. You cannot afford doing that. Decarrigation, I tell myself as well, the day is approaching. The hearse might pick you up soon. Your body might be buried in a few days. So therefore, think about that. And one of the most horrible scenes in the Bible I know of is from the closing verse of the Sermon on the Mount. You know that parable, right, about the two houses, one house built on the rock and the other on the sand, on a slope, right? Not in, not in the valley, on the slope, like the Marble Hill area, right? All those houses, higher and higher. And then there's a torrential rain, and atmospheric river and the creeks just swell and there's just lots of water pouring down in the streets and the foundation of some of those houses is taken away and you see some houses leaning over and some houses falling and the debris going down fast And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So think about that picture. Children, think about that. Think about it, that we have to build upon the rock, that we need to build upon the Lord Jesus, but also that we don't only hear it, but that we also need to do them. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be 
like unto the foolish man. Hear the word and do not. You see the house on the hill. It's tumbling down. Think about it for yourself. That someday you will die. And then you will fall into the hands of the living God. God is not a joke. God is not just a myth. He is the living God. He gives life. He takes life. And he deals with people. And yet, also in this chapter, there's also a possibility to escape. The congregation, there's also another side. Some, I may say many, will meet with an appeased God. He will look friendly. His face will shine upon them. His countenance will be lifted up. Oh, the love in the eyes of God. How sweet. The Lord will say to his people, I love you with an eternal love. And he can say, I will not, he he can say, I will not send you away, but you may come in. And he will wipe away the tears from their faces. There'll be something. You come in, ye blessed of the Lord. I know you. You don't work iniquity. You hated sin. You complained about self. I'm carnal, sold under sin. You were striving. Now you may inherit the kingdom. All things are yours, and nothing can separate you. From the love of God, of my love, the Lord will say, none can pluck you out of my hands. You're my people. Think about it. Think about the time that you depart and stand for the Lord, Lord, and he will say, come in. You're mine. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things, Few things. I will make thee rule of, 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 of many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So the enter into the joy. What joy? The joy the Lord gives? No, in the joy of the Lord. The Lord Himself is rejoicing. And they may enter and share in the Lord's joy. The joy of the Lord and the joy of his people. And they will just love, and re- love one another and rejoice in one another. Like a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. So they will, they will enter into the joy of the Lord. The Lord will be so happy with you, people of God. He will be so happy with you. He will delight in you. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and a fade not away, reserved 
in heaven for you. It will not be temporary. It will be forever. It will not fade. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You know, I may still say this morning, there is room yet. All the seeds are reserved. That's right. In holy election. But there's still room. In my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Or what will there be? You cannot imagine it. I don't think we can imagine how. It is so much worse than we can possibly think. We cannot have the right picture of heaven either. It is so much sweeter than we can think. Because God is an infinite God. Infinitely good. Infinitely loving. Infinitely kind. As it's written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. God has prepared things for his people. So, have things changed in your heart? Because the Lord is promising his reward to his people. Think of verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has a great recompense of reward. So don't throw your confidence away. People of God, there is that great recompense of the reward. And think of 36. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So when you die, you receive the promise. You receive the content of the promise itself. Of verse 39, But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So that is promised to God's people. The saving of the soul. How can it be? The apostle warned in a most serious way and threatened with punishment. However, he says in verse 38, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. There is still an invitation. Let us not draw back. Having boldness to enter, let us draw near. He encourages his hearers to go boldly to the throne of grace. You say, I have no boldness. I have no freedom. There is yet a new and living way. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But you know who has experienced that? To their fullest, 
Don't you know, children, who has suffered the most of the hand of God turning against him, so fearful. That was the Lord Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus experienced the vengeance of God, the God's recompensing. And he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Therefore, beloved, flee to Jesus. Come, first he wants. Come to the water. Come, ye poor ones. He is rich. He has what you don't have. Come, broken hard ones. He can heal you. Come, ye that are heavy laden. He can give you rest. Come, sinners. Come, worldly ones. Come, hardened sinner. Come, ungodly sinner. Come, unwilling sinner. Come, angry sinner. Come with nothing but your garbage. Come only because he calls you. You have not fallen yet into destruction. Prepare to meet God and consider your death as real as you can. Make a mental picture of what hell will be like and seek the Lord. The sword of the Lord is brandishing over our heads, but he has not killed us yet as he is patient. Fall into the hands of God, of the living God. There is a text in the Bible that turns it around and says it's better to fall into the hands of God than into the hands of people. Right? David? And David said to God, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord. For his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hands of man. So the hands of God. It's a fearful thing. That's right. But if you come repenting of your sins. If you come seeing your salvation only in him. He will not send you away. He will receive you with his hands. Or think of John 10. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man plug them out of my hand. Lord Jesus, holding on with his hand, he keeps his church. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to plug them out of my Father's hand either. In his hand, the Father's hand. I have a question. Do you like sermons like this? Some of you do. Some say, I like more of those sermons. Beat this over the head. Wound me, threaten me. And let me shiver. Let me just be terrified. Let me be emotional. Let me be fearful. I like that, some people say. Something like a sermon like a thriller. They, they like the emotional part of it. They like to cry. 
But you know, I hope that that's not the case today. I hope it's not so that you dislike fire and brimstone servants because it makes you a little bit emotional and that's better than nothing. Right? Why, why do people read thrillers? They like to let their emotions stir, right? And then they close the book and huh, that's not reality. Well, it's awesome to read on, they say. And I hope that's not the, not the case with this sermon. That uh, you listen to it just for the case of the emotions. But you must flee unto the Savior. That's the purpose. Finally, the Lord Jesus died on the cross, right? He also said there something of his hands. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands. I commend my spirit, and having served us, he gave up the ghost. So the Lord Jesus gave himself in the hands of God. So don't be afraid of the hands of God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know that. But on, this, on the other side, you don't have to fear. There is a Lord Jesus Christ. And he was willing to go to the rock. And he was so fearful. And he took the sting out of death. So if you flee to the Lord Jesus Christ with all your sins, you will not be disappointed. There will be salvation in him. And people of God, what about you? Are you like me? So often feeling that it's not right. You're not not close enough. That you need also again a threat. Oh, don't don't lay it aside. Take it to heart and strive to enter in. Count your days. Become wise. Amen.